your parents have expectations and it's okay. It's they're not bad people. Your in-laws have expectations and they're going to be different. And a lot of it has to do with those parents love their child a lot, but there is a loss that the parents are experiencing a little bit as well. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. So welcome again to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast. Uh, Jen and I are here, and today we're talking about in-laws. Oh, no! So in-laws, it's, it's just, it's almost, it's become a sitcom trope. It's just in-laws, it, there's, they're always a problem, and that's not true. You know, we've met so many couples that have great relationships with their in-laws that love their in-laws that really them coming together it was the way it should be it was just a bigger family oh it's a blessing it can be more people to love which is what marriage should be it's a uniting of families and again more people to love in these positive circumstances but it's not always the case you were just actually meeting at a small group that they had done our book as their small group study and you guys were talking about that. And when you came back, you shared kind of something was going on with in-laws and share with everyone kind of what that issue was that they were facing. And Yeah, it was an interesting issue because it was a small group with women who were doing a small group study on our book. And it sounds like they're going to bring the guys into it soon, which is great. Good luck, guys. But <laughs> there you go. Uh, but the way that it worked out was there was a woman there saying, okay, my husband and I are from out of state and it's on the west side of the country and their families live about 10 minutes away from each other. But it was a really difficult situation for them because anytime they were going home, if you will, for the, the holidays, both families wanted to be very demanding of their time and didn't really care about the other side of the family and ensuring that time was spent with both sides of the family. And one side of the family being the husband's family was very vocal about their displeasure and almost what I call hogging this married couple. So it was difficult because they were saying, well, goodness, we want to say we'll go home for the holidays and we're just going to see the wife's side of the family for Thanksgiving and then we're just going to see the husband's side of the family for Christmas but it seems kind of disjointed because they're just 10 minutes apart so it's like how do you navigate that yeah, that makes sense too i mean i would think you know many 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 years down the road if Brenda or Jonathan get married and the in-laws were that close to us it's like well wait a minute if you're if you're visiting so-and-so's parents, why can't you just swing by? So it makes sense, but that was creating stress in the marriage because it was creating stress between the parents. And I see this um, a lot, especially when I go away on temporary duty or when I was deployed and when mm -hmm. I'm dealing with active duty military families. How so? Well, so many of these couples, they met while they were in the military. And so their in-laws, then it could be, you could have a family in California and a family in Georgia. And so then you get your 40 days of leave. How are you going to manage that? For instance, I mean- How do you split it, yeah. right? My parents actually met in the army. And so my mom's family is from the Nebraska, Colorado area. And my dad's family was from the Tennessee area. And that was tricky just growing up. I mean, I'm not sure how my parents managed that. We didn't have any bad 
blood with um, any of the in-laws that I was aware of growing up as a child, but that's just a normal thing. And so then when I talk to some of these military members, one of the struggles they have in their marriage is just trying to figure out how are we going to do this? And one spouse may be very firm. It's like, no, we have to go visit my parents. We have to do this. We're going on leave. And it creates conflict in the marriage because the in-laws are bringing conflict to the marriage. There was a guy that I went to basic training with, unrealistic expectations. The family thought that he was going to get stationed close. The the wife's family thought that they were going to get stationed close to there, that he was going to be able to do his whole career close to that because her dad um, at this point in his career was much further along his career and was able to manage his career. Military career? Yeah, yeah, they had more stability in that. But starting this out, he didn't have that stability. He was a young airman. And so everyone's like, oh, he's going back to Utah and this is going to be great and wonderful. And he got assigned to Ramstein, Germany which is one of the best places in the Air Force to get assigned. I mean, they work hard over there. They're busy, but they're in Germany. It's beautiful. You're close to everything. It's really a good assignment. Mm-hmm. And I would have been excited about it if I was active duty and we were getting assigned to Ramstein, but it ended up ruining their marriage and they got divorced. Oh, that's Expectations yeah. on that were there. And sometimes, I mean, you've seen this in like administering trusts and stuff when you look at down the road, like, in-laws have passed away, and then all of a sudden the bad blood has come out. Oh, that's true. I think it comes to what we're talking about in our book with the unexpectations, and that can happen between a married couple. It's like, what are your expectations? What are these unexpectations? What's unvoiced? What's unshared? What's unrealistic? And that comes out when you're dealing with extended family members as well. So I've seen many things in the probate court where people's idea of fair is very different as to asset distribution. So including kids, including grandkids. What if you have a, a grandchild who's special needs? I just finished a situation like that where the grandparents and aunt and uncle want to leave funds to a special needs a child. And it's like, how, how do you do that in, in a way where everybody's going to think that it's fair? And then sometimes too, you've got the in-law in the child's the adult child's ear. And that can be really hard because that can stir up a lot of dis, dis, kind of dissension, but it's not that necessarily the in-laws trying to stir that up. The in-law might just be looking out for the spouse. So there can be a lot of complexities in dealing with in-laws and expectations and how each spouse's family of origin handles things. And sometimes it's a, a very neutral thing, but because the experiences are different. You know, a husband might say the wife's family is doing something wrong, or the wife might say that the husband's family is doing something wrong just because it's not what they experienced growing up. Well, and you've talked too, I mean, and we've heard this so many times. We'll just use, it could be husband or wife, it doesn't matter, but like a husband's parents will pass away. And then this, um, they're looking at asset distribution and the wife, so the the daughter-in-law, it's like, well, your parents never liked me anyway, or your parents didn't give enough to our kids because they we didn't fit in their mold. And so all of a sudden now there's creating, there's this thing where the husband's grieving the loss of their parents and 
fighting with his wife because she's feeling that there was inequitable asset distribution in life and now it's continuing on in death. And yeah. you share, I mean, so many times, it's just, it gets crazy and people get really, the stakes get really high and it can create some really difficult situations that you're working through as a couple dealing with all these things. Yeah, and I, I think that what can be difficult is some people, again, different ideas of what's fair. I, I think just the concept of, I, I had a client s- decide to make a loan and it was actually a gift to an adult child and it had to do with some repairs to a house. And I think it was $30,000. And then he turned around to the other kid and said, here's a check for 30,000 because I never want it said that I was being unfair. And then in an estate plan, it would be after both the husband and wife die, everything equally distributed to the to the kids as, mu- as much as can possibly be done. But we've seen some things lopsided, done for reasons that might be loving, but it, it ends up causing a lot of turmoil in the family with that mother always loved you best kind of concept. And it's too bad. So as you're listening, we want to share with you, in-law problems are, are normal. It's okay. And really it has to do with, like Jen said earlier, your parents have expectations and it's okay. It's They're not bad people. Your in-laws have expectations and they're going to be different. And a lot of it has to do with the reality of those parents love their child a lot. And there is a lot, there's just a bigger family to love when the marriage happens, but there is a loss that the parents are experiencing a little bit as well because their child is moving on and the relationship is changing. And they're um, starting their own family. Right. Our, our daughter, who's going to be going to college in a couple of years, likes to remind us of how long it is going to be until she's not going to be living at home anymore. And she's just playing with us. It's teasing. But there is something of, in my heart at least, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, there's going to be a time in the not too distant future where I'm going to walk down that hallway and knock on that door and look inside and the room's going to be clean for the first time in 20 years. But Brenda, my daughter's not going to be there. You know? And it, it's it's going to be a difficult thing. Um, but there are ways to help process this. There are ways to help manage these expectations and manage the in-laws' expectations so that your marriage will thrive. Um, and that's the first point is make sure you prioritize your marriage so your marriage will thrive. But also, you can have a thriving marriage and thriving relationships with your in-laws. It just takes a little work and planning and structure and clarity. And the first thing, like I said, is you really need to prioritize your marriage first. And you need to let everyone know that your marriage relationship is a priority. And it can always be a struggle, no matter how good your relationship with your parents are, no matter how good your relationship with your in-laws are, because we have to keep that priority of marriage in alignment where it needs to be. And of course, you know, we have God first, we have our spouse coming in right after that, then our kids, then we're looking at prioritizing other extended family members, but it's, it's a, I think it's a difficult thing and it can be tricky. And I know we've talked about the, the concept of kids grow up and we're used to submitting to our parents and we're used to just very much relying on our parents for financial, emotional, material support, but that shifts when we get married. Yeah. And at that point you've got, you're a new family. And submission to the authority of your parents is no longer appropriate in all senses. Now, there are some things when you're planning, like 
larger family things going on where you, you can have a patriarch or matriarch environment, but the priority for you is still your spouse. That's right. And working together to fall into that. But you cannot let those past patterns dictate where your spouse fits in the pecking order, as it were. And really, for those of you who are newer in marriage, you may be experiencing some struggle with this because it's just, it's a new experience and you're having to create new patterns in your own mind. So it's not just you're having to communicate to your parents that, hey, mom, dad, I love you, but my husband or wife is the priority, but you're, you've got to rewire your own brain on that as well. But it, that's one of the key things is to make sure that rewiring happens so that you're prioritizing your marriage first, because that's going to make everything else easier. When your spouse knows that you're prioritizing them, then when there are things going on and you say, hey, I really want to do this. My mom really wants us to come down for this family reunion. I get it that it's going to be weird because there's a bazillion cousins and you don't know any of them, but we're a priority. Your spouse knows that that priority is there. They're more willing to say, okay, I get this. This is important to you. And that's where that mutual submission comes in in a family as well. It's like, okay, because it's important to you, I know I'm your priority, but because I love you and this is important to you, we're going to be able to move in that direction. But that all is built on the foundation of your spouse being a priority. And how do we make it fun too? Because just for your example, with going to a family reunion, it's like, okay, not going to know anybody or know just a few people. You know, what can we do on the trip? Not just at the family reunion, but maybe something else too, where you're able to have uh, some extra fun that's above and beyond that family reunion. So I, I think it's good to do that. And oh my goodness, Brian, did I tell you about um, my my girlfriend, who I'm not going to name on, on the podcast, but she has an adult son and an adult daughter. Son just got married kind of early fall of 2021. And what was interesting about this, this would not have been our choice, but what this newly married husband and wife decided to do was Christmas Eve, she went to her parents' house and spend the night he went to his parents' house and spent the night. So this would be kind of like their last Christmas morning, waking up yeah. with their families of origin, you know, kind of opening presents under the tree. And my friend said that it was just the most magnificent thing ever. So talk about giving, getting points uh, from the in-laws about that. But I, I know for our, our family and our marriage that would, wouldn't have been something that we wanted to do because it was our first Christmas together and we wanted to wake up on right. Christmas morning together. But I think that's to say that's something that this couple decided to do together. It was it ended up being a positive thing for them as a couple and as individuals and for that extended family. And they're going to be waking up Christmas morning with each other from here on out. And I love that. And normally it's kind of the picture in the movies is the car driving away just married with the cans and stuff streaming off the back of the car. That's right. And that that's that goodbye, but creating that goodbye ritual to make it easier. So for those of you who are listening and you're thinking about getting married or you're still in that early time of your marriage, is there a goodbye ritual that's going to help create that experience so you're going to be able to have that relation with your parents. And the other thing, prioritizing your marriage is the first and the foundation, but also communicate clearly to your parents 
about what your expectations are. Yes. And it's okay to tell them, hey, I get that this is what we did growing up, but now I want to do something different. We had to do that with Christmas, for instance, where for us, we wanted to have certain things that were our own, like Christmas morning. We wanted that to be just for us. And when we had children, Christmas morning was not extended family. It was us. And that was something that we communicated to both sides of the family. It's like, look, guys, it's not that we love you less, but this is something that we find valuable and important. We want to create this tradition in our family. And we, were, we communicated that. It's like, hey, this is how we want to do it. And we very early, very clear, hey, this is what's going on. So there were no surprises about right. that. But also at that time, we didn't have extended family that was living out of state. So True. that that made it a little bit different because, of course, you're going to be having Christmas morning with mom and dad if you're flying to mom and dad and staying at mom and dad's house. Right. But the the point of it all is when you're not that you guys should all follow our pattern because your marriage is your marriage. But communicate. Yes. What the expectations are. What's different. And it's okay for those to change, but you've got to communicate clearly about that. And one of the things that I think is really important, though, especially early on in the marriage, as your spouse is forming their new relationship with your parents, you need to be the one to communicate with your parents. It's not yes. okay, even if you're used to being, yes, mom, yes, dad, and your spouse is just got that more dominant, stronger, more vocal personality, you've got to protect your spouse from the potential anger of your parents. And it's easy for, you know, I think it's easy for your parents, if you will, to take out anger or disappointment on how you and your spouse decided to do things to take that out on their not child in that marriage. That woman that my my son married or that man that my wife married is just a horrible person. It's easier to be angry at that person than my darling little smoochkins that I raised. Absolutely. And so it's really important that you talk to your parents when you're communicating these expectations and there were a couple times, and my dad passed away now, when we were married throughout, there were a couple times where I had to sit down with my dad and say, hey, hey, dad, this is not working. And this, what's going on here is I've got to just clearly communicate expectations to you, dad. And my relationship was better with my dad because of it. I think that if you were the one sharing something about it, first of all, again, it's easier, for, it would have been easier for my dad to be mad at you than me. Yes. Because I, he, I'm his son, you know, but also that might have put a barrier between me and my dad being you. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I wouldn't want that. No. And I don't want that. I, again, you're the priority. It always will be. But me talking to my dad made the relationship better between me and my dad and made our relationship better because you didn't have to be the bad guy. Yeah, I think that that's important because you, you don't want to throw your spouse under the bus or maybe you do want to throw your spouse under the bus, but no, you shouldn't. No, 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 we're, we're, not no. we're not doing that. No, not that's doing that. Yeah. But I know you had talked a little earlier in the podcast about um, having kind of a goodbye ritual. And I, I just think that it's more of a reframing and restructuring because 
we're, we're still coming back yeah. and visiting. We're still part of the family, but it, it's just an adjustment that we all need to give grace to each other over and have that grace fill in any gaps. Yeah, absolutely. Rituals. Any, I mean, again, that's why we do graduations, right? Um, because uh, we, it, it's, it's this transition time. And in that clear communication, um, the other piece of that, so prioritize your marriage, communicate clearly to your parents and set appropriate boundaries. What are some boundaries, I mean, that, that you've just seen or you that have been healthy, appropriate boundaries to help people figure that out? I think some of it, like we had talked about, is what of a particular holiday season, what is that going to be just for you and your spouse or you and your spouse and your kids when you have kids that's who kind are of the involved? Common one, isn't it? I, yeah. I think that that's a good one uh, to be able to do. And going back to kind of that that problem with the couple who lives in Michigan and then they're traveling out of state, I think it needs to be clearly articulated to each side of the family by that adult child of origin from that family. You're, you're putting us in a hard situation because we do have to, to navigate things and we're feeling very alone in this and we feel like we don't have support from extended family. And of course, we love you. We want to spend time with both. And how do we navigate this so we're able to? Because, you know, we, we've seen some things where it's like on Thanksgiving, if the families are local, is it possible for somebody to have a Thanksgiving meal at noon and somebody else to have a Thanksgiving meal at six o'clock? Or could it and be then everyone meal- gets just chonky? Well, if it's just one day, you know, <laughs> portion control, my friends, portion control. But if you're if you're able to maybe have Thanksgiving dinner with one family and have dessert with the other family, that's great. But, you know, again, there are just different ideas of how things right. can be done. But I think sometimes just the concept of Thanksgiving, kind of the main event with one family, Christmas, kind of the main event with the other, it can work out. I think what can come into conflict for Christmas is, when do the families celebrate? Because if you've got one family celebrating on Christmas Eve, the other family celebrating on Christmas Day, that's pretty easy. But if they both celebrate on Christmas Day, that can be challenging. But it's something to be talking through. And it gives you an opportunity, too, to reinvent things and um, maybe expand the holiday in a positive way where everybody will ultimately be enjoying it. And I think it's important. It's very important not just to tell your parents, hey, here's the boundaries. Here's the boundaries we're setting in our family. But why does the boundary exist? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always if you tell me that I have to stop at this door and turn around three times every time before I walk through the door, and you don't tell me why, so this is stupid. Now, if you tell me that there's some like secret code and I'm gonna get blasted with lasers, clearly I watch too many Marvel movies. Clearly. <laughs> clearly we watch too many Marvel movies. Oh then it makes sense. Oh my gosh, I don't want to get blasted. So whatever the boundary is, make sure you're explaining why. And they don't have to agree with the why. That's not the point. But you telling them, hey, this is the experience. This is why we're creating this boundary. This is what's going on. Then at least they have an understanding. It's easier for people to follow a what if they have a why. If you just tell them this is the boundary, that's it's just not loving. Um, really to your parents. And it's also harder for them to accept and move forward in it because it just seems arbitrary and strange. Yeah. And I had a a friend who I went to high school and college with and in our late 20s, when she was trying to navigate some of these things newer on, she, she had just said, I didn't know parents could be so selfish. 
and, and it's hard, but that that's all of us. We're all selfish and we need to be living into that grace and that understanding. And I, I would say people who have adult kids who have gotten married, especially new, they're, they're still trying to figure things out. Give them some grace. Make sure you're supporting their marriage and trying to navigate things in a positive way. And if you've just gotten married uh, or you've been married a long time and you're trying to navigate these uh, in-law issues, make sure you're giving your in-laws some grace while still prioritizing your spouse and this new family that you've started. And protect your boundaries. Yes. Protect your boundaries. Once you've set a boundary, that's the boundary. No, explain why, communicate clearly, but the boundary is the boundary. And if your parents can't handle your boundary, that's something that you could have a conversation with. But at the end of the day, the boundary is the boundary and you need to protect that because what you're communicating to your spouse, if you don't protect that boundary, is that your parents are more important to your spouse. And it goes back to the beginning prioritize your marriage. and Absolutely. And if you remember to prioritize your marriage, communicate clearly and set appropriate boundaries, you will be able to navigate those relationships and keep your marriage thriving. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com.